Parks and Rec is a much more optimistic show. I do love that Leslie Nope always goes out of her way to try to help and better her teammates. And she's, despite everything, she's always trying Except to do. Except Jerry. Nobody likes Jerry. <laughs> she's always trying to do what's best for the town. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Stanley's heart attack because, uh, as we all know, Jerry had a fart attack. Fart attack. <laughs> fart attack. <laughs> he sure did. You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we review your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries available on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Medstaff with your host, Jamie Zarlingo. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. I'm your host of this podcast. This is an episode that's been um, in the making for a while. Um, If you have listened to our podcast up until this point, um, Brayden has been one of our guests a couple of times, and we always get into it about the office and Parks and Rec. And so we decided to do an episode about these two hit shows, The Office and Parks and Recreation. So I rallied in Braden and I rallied in a few other um, employees here at Atlas to um, kind of argue against both shows. I have John, is it Ludwig or Ludwig? Ludwig, Um, If you have seen any of our more recent social media posts, John is behind those. Uh, He joined the brand team a couple months ago and then Ashley Renee, one of our client managers. And she is on my side with The Office. John is on the Parks and Rec side. So I just want to preface this episode by saying I am a fan of both shows. I don't want anyone to get angry about that at all. But I prefer The Office. I find myself watching The Office all the time, repeatedly. I'm actually going through a rewatch right now. I went through a rewatch when I was on maternity leave. I think I went through a rewatch earlier this year. I watched a show over and over and over. It's my favorite Um, And I think I just have a soft spot for it because when I first started watching it, I was at a time in my life that's, I guess, kind of nostalgic. And nostalgia is, and this is actually a a Dwight Schrute quote, quote, that nostalgia is um, one of, I can't think of the exact quote, but he basically is like one of the biggest human weaknesses next to the neck is, I think, the actual quote. Um, So um, welcome, everybody. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you. And in all fairness, you said that you have watched Parks and Rec. I think all of us have seen both shows, so we're not going into it blindly. We're not just arguing one side or the okay, other without... Okay, well, that's, that's false. Uh, Ashley has seen some of Parks and Rec. I've seen half of the first season, and it's uh, Oh, terrible. well, that's, that's unfair. So, yeah. I would argue half of the first season of The Office is terrible as well. The first season of both shows, let's just get that out there, are both bad. The first season of The Office is not very good. The first season of Parks and Rec is terrible. They both kind of found their stride after it. The real question is, which one picked it up from there? The Office at least made me laugh the first season. Okay. Parks and Rec, no. I didn't laugh. I didn't find it funny. Okay. The little bit that I watched, it wasn't, wasn't good. And maybe, again, I am on the side of The Office, maybe after... 
this podcast, you might change your mind and try to rewatch it, but totally fine. Maybe if you don't. I'll, I'll actually watch it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so how we're going to do this episode, guys, is Ashley and I are going to talk about The Office first. We are going to um, give you some basic facts on the show. Um, I personally wrote down some stuff that I really love about the show and some stuff I don't. So I'm not just going to be praising The Office. And then we're going to give John and Brayden a chance to talk about Parks and Rec. And at the end, we'll kind of have our own closing opinions on which one we prefer. And as per Rich's request, if Brayden is on the show ever again, we cannot argue about The Office and Parks and Rec anymore. I have yet to hear this from Rich. This is all secondhand. You can ask him after we record this. Um, Just to let you know to leave it all out on the floor here. Okay, so um, to get started with The Office, some basic facts about the show. It first aired on March 24th, 2005. The final episode was May 16th, 2013. This show lasted for nine seasons and is an adaptation of the original BBC series of the same name, which actually only had 12 episodes and three specials. And uh, the American version was created by Craig Daniels, who was a writer on Saturday Night Live, King of the Hill, and The Simpsons. And also, um, Michael Schur was one of the main writers who, if you are a fan of The Office, is Moe's. And he actually has gone on to write and be a producer on a bunch of different NBC shows like The Good Place and um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Michael Schur is a treasure. I love him, and I think he is a genius. Um... A little fact about the writing of this show, Craig actually left as a showrunner to create Parks and Rec with Michael Schur in the middle of um, the office when the office was being made, Um, and they split the time between the two shows. Craig returned as a showrunner for the ninth season, which if you watch The Office, the show started to suffer a little bit around season seven and eight. I would say season eight is uh, widely thought of as the worst season of the show. He returned for the final season, which is where a lot of people say it picked back up. Um, The original team of writers, which is, this is something I absolutely love about this show, is a lot of them were actually actors on the show as well. BJ Novak, who played Ryan, Mindy Kaling, who played Kelly, um, Paul Lieberstein, who played Toby, Daniels, and Michael Schur were all the original team of writers. And the pilot episode of the show is a direct adaptation of the original series, but the following episodes were all original. So um, Ricky Gervais, who's behind the BBC, the UK version, was actually um, kind of had his hand in the first episode, as well as a few others. And he actually does play a cameo in a couple of episodes, which is cool. So some fun facts about this show. Um, Rain Wilson, who plays Dwight, actually auditioned to play Michael Scott. And he also auditioned to play Dwight Schrute, but the casting directors enjoyed his audition as Dwight much more, which I think is very funny because one of the main ongoing jokes throughout much of the show is how much Dwight is desperate to become the manager of Dunder Mifflin, the paper company that he works for. Um, But he's always kind of second to Michael and he there's the whole thing with assistant regional manager, assistant to the regional manager, which I just think is very funny that it also kind of went that way as far as the actors go. And um, Steve Carell, who plays Michael Scott, our lead, our manager of the Dunder Mifflin Scranton office, was not the original choice or originally suggested to play Michael Scott. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. Paul Giamatti was originally suggested to play Michael, but he declined. 
And then um, Martin Short, Hank Azaria, and Bob Odenkirk were also interested. And um, there's actually a video on YouTube of a bunch of other people auditioning for these roles. And I saw Bob Odenkirk's audition, and it was good. But I just, I can't imagine that show with anybody but Steve Carell. He Mm -hmm. is amazing. And he was relatively unknown when The Office came out. He was in um, Anchorman and... uh, he played a small, well, I wouldn't say small, a supporting role in the Jim Carrey film. Um, oh, my God. Do you guys know what I'm talking I can't even think of what it's called. I have no Do idea. Do you know what I'm talking about? The one where he plays God? Evan Almighty. No, that was the sequel. Yes. Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty was the first one. There you go. Um, so he was relatively unknown when well, the office started. Steve Carell, he was on The Daily Show for a long time, and he was right. one of their breakout correspondents. And so, he, he's amazing. And I think d- that carried a lot when the show started up. People mm-hmm. followed him to see what he'd go on to do. Well, and then he did The 40-Year-Old Virgin in 2005. And from, based on what I've read, that really kind of jump-started the, the um, following of the show as well. Because that movie he um, was pretty successful and mm-hmm. he did a great job in. Um, this is very interesting. Adam Scott, who plays Ben in Parks and Rec, originally auditioned to be Jim. Can you imagine if he had been Jim Halpert? I could see that Ben and Jim have similar qualities. They do. A little nerdy. That's interesting. Michael Schur, he does like his cast of actors, and you'll see a lot of his, the same people pop up on his different shows, Mm -hmm. like cameos on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Good Place, which if you're not watching, you should. They're both very good. So I've heard. Well, I I have seen um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I have not watched The Good Place, but I have heard wonderful things about that show also um seth rogan Patton oswalt and um judah friedlander also auditioned for the role of dwight um judah is from 30 rock and we all know seth rogan and pat oswalt Patton oswalt um again i can't imagine anybody but rain wilson playing dwight Schrute. i just feel like there's nobody who could have played that role but him. Yeah, he matches the character perfectly. He does it so well. And I heard that he had watched every single episode of the original prior to his audition. So he kind of had that uh, that uh, character in mind. Um, also, um, I may have talked about this before, but uh, Angela Kinsey, who plays Angela Martin on the show, and Jenna Fisher, who plays Pam, have started a podcast called Office Ladies where they review every single episode. They're only on episode five. They actually mention when um, they started the show when I think it was Angela when she met Rain Wilson's wife. He introduced her in a very uh, Dwight fashion where he said, this is the carrier of my seed. She was pregnant with her son at the time. And that just seems like a very Dwight thing to say. Apparently he's also just just such a great person and i feel like everyone on both of these shows Mm -hmm. are great people um another fun fact is phyllis lappin phyllis smith is her actual name she was a casting director originally but when Mm -hmm. she would read lines with um some of the actors they loved their her dynamic with them so much that they added her to the cast i had no idea yeah yeah a lot of fun little nuggets you learn i did hear that um everybody that interviewed for Michael Scott's role has a cameo in the show somewhere. Well, yeah, Bob does for sure. Let's get into the good. So um, I didn't really actually get a chance to kind of go over the basic 
plot line of The Office, but if you're unfamiliar with the show, if you're this far into the podcast, good for you. <laughs> but if you're unfamiliar with The Office, um, it is a show based on uh, the employees of a paper company, Dunder Mifflin. Michael Scott, Steve Carell, is the manager of the Scranton office. A bunch of um, sub or uh, supporting characters, Jim, Pam, Dwight, uh, Ryan, Kelly, Creed, Toby, I can name all of them. Andy comes in after a couple of seasons, um, are all part of the supporting cast and just make the show what it is. Um, so for me, the writing is hysterical. It's got some great one-liners, mm-hmm. um, things that people still say to this day. It has a solid cast. Um, a lot of these people were relatively unknown. Like Nobody knew who Rain Wilson was. Nobody knew who um, uh, John Krasinski or Jenna Fisher were. Um, and John Krasinski, John Krasinski, oh my God, I can't talk. John Krasinski specifically has gone on to do um, a lot of great stuff. He does that Jack Ryan show on Prime, I think. And um, he actually wrote and directed A Quiet Place with his wife, Emily Blunt. They're working on a sequel for that. So I think that this kind of really jump-started his career. And actually, I had heard that he was thinking of quitting acting before he landed this role. So... Good on him for sticking to it. This show has had 42 Emmy nominations and five wins total. Outstanding comedy series in season two. Outstanding writing for the season three episode Gay Witch Hunt, which is one of my favorites. Outstanding directing for a comedy series for the season five episode Stress Relief, which if you're familiar with that episode, starts with the, the cold open of the, um, the fire safety training, which is one of my favorite uh, moments in that show and the CPR lesson with um, the staying alive dance and singing when they're trying to uh, revive the dummy and Dwight cutting off the face. It's all great. And outstanding single camera picture editing for the finale episode. Unfortunately, and this is the same for uh, Amy Poehler and Parks and Rec, Steve Carell never won an Emmy for his role, but he was nominated six times. Wow. But he did win a Golden Globe in 2006, so at least there's that. In my opinion, I don't think the Golden Globes are as special as the Emmys when it comes to television. It's kind of like with the Oscars, like the Golden Globes is both film and television. So I feel like it's, I don't know. What's your guys' opinion on Golden Globes, Academy Awards? I think that's definitely the way it has been viewed in the past. But since there's so much more prestige TV, I think that line's getting blurred much more. Because before it used to be a death knell for a movie actor or actress to start doing TV. Like, oh, they're doing TV now. But now you'll see them cross over back and forth Mm -hmm. regularly. Uh, Whether they're on Netflix or HBO or star shows, like those giant prestige format shows have much more catch it than they used to. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, And then I would say for me, one of my favorite parts about The Office is I feel like the characters are relatable and realistic. Brayden absolutely despises Michael Scott. And yeah, Michael's kind of a shitty guy in the beginning. But you know what? We all have flaws. And you can I feel like you can argue that with every single character on the show. None of them are perfect. They're not always good people, whereas or um which is the same for, for life. We are not always good people. You keep saying always like Michael Scott redeems himself, but he, he at no point grows. Yes, he does. Michael Scott is the same character at the end of The Office as he is at episode one. I would, I would disagree. I would disagree as well. Um, I actually um, found this quote 
from uh, just a, a fan article. Michael loves his staff like they are family. They are his adopted family. That's the show's essential premise. But he still remains capable of remarkable acts of insensitivity, which is and has always been an integral part of his character. Michael is not and has never been perfect. But as Michael Scott, Steve Carell has been nearly so. So to argue against what Brayden just said about how Michael never grows, if you're familiar with the show, in the first season, Michael is just the worst boss. He's offensive. He's insensitive. He idolizes Todd Packer, who is their traveling salesman, who is just a womanizer and just a gross guy. Mm-hmm. Very abrasive. Yes. Um, and he also has a bit of like an innocence, like a childlike wonder about the world. Michael isn't the smartest guy. And I think that has a lot to do with his buffoonery. He says things that he would think are okay or, or oh it's funny it's comedy when it's just not and you see a lot of that in the first few seasons of him trying to relate to his co-workers trying to relate to you know people he considers his family when it's just you know their co-workers which here at atlas i would say we consider ourselves family that's not the case mm-hmm. everywhere especially you know an office job mm-hmm. like you know selling paper i wouldn't but you know over time they do become family in the finale i feel like really really pulls that all together but by season seven, which was uh, Steve Carell's last season, he, they really tried to wrap up his character in a very satisfying way. I think they wanted you, over time, you grew to love Michael. At least I did. I didn't really like him at first. I thought he was awful, but he, he grew on me. I grew to love him, and I rewatched the show, and I love Michael Scott. I loved Scott. him from the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, he, there's just something about his just his nature like yeah he he says foot and mouth syndrome says a lot of things he shouldn't a lot of the time but by the end he finds his soulmate he knows what he wants out of life and all he's ever wanted is a family and friends he just wants to be liked he wants he wants to have that 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 bond with his co-workers so badly and um he finds the love of his life somebody he's going to start a family with and he leaves the office in a place where they can survive without him. And not that they couldn't before, but um, in the beginning seasons, there's all of this fear of downsizing that the office and the branch is going to get shut down. All these people are going to be fired. But it's Michael's branch that saves the company time and time again. So he's actually good at his job. He's Mm -hmm. not a complete idiot. And by the end, the episode Goodbye Michael is revered as one of the best episodes of the entire show which I would have to agree as as hard as it is to watch sometimes because it makes me sad but um once he left there was a, a bit of a decline in in the show's quality and that is where I will segue into um the bad of the show so it dipped in quality when Michael left and the writing suffered um in my opinion the show should have ended after season seven Mm-hmm. And I would say that that's one of the good things about Parks and Recreation is they knew when to call it quits on that show. There's a lot of shows that go on for way too long and, you know, they're like five seasons past their prime and they should have just quit long ago. The Office is that way a little bit. The last two seasons are not great. They're not, they're not what the show was. They're actually kind of boring, in my opinion. They are kind of boring. And I did not watch the show live, so... I can't imagine trying to get through those episodes week by week. I, I would have probably given up on it, to yeah, be honest. I would have, too. 
but I feel like they they wrapped it up mm-hmm. season nine very very satisfyingly the finale is amazing and I I disagree with that I think they could really? have done a better job mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. really oh do tell I just didn't like like the way they did it I don't know and I, maybe that's because I felt like it was dragging to begin with okay and it should have been done way sooner than it was but yeah it wasn't my favorite ending okay okay and again I maybe have just a bit of uh, rose-colored glasses because I watched that episode inebriated. And so I have a very positive <laughs> memory of watching it, but I still really like it. I love watching the finale and I cry every time. And so, so there we go. We've got both people in support of The Office. One didn't even like the finale and the other only liked it because she was drunk at the time. Hey, I've watched it many times Yikes. since then and I still like it. Yikes. You're putting words in my mouth. You said it. I said that it, I maybe like it more because of that, but it's not that I don't like it at all. You know what? I never had to get drunk to watch. You know what? Any show is better drunk. Okay. <laughs> let me let Touché. me let me get into my my part. You, you'll have your opportunity, Braden. So um, yeah, Steve Carell left the show in 2011 after seven seasons to focus on film, and after that point, and honestly, a little before that point. The, char- the characters became caricatures of themselves by the end. Like, I would say Kevin, for example. Kevin becomes a complete moron by the end. Um, Kelly's character actually transforms a lot. Mm-hmm. In the very beginning, she's way more subdued, and she becomes kind of crazy by the yep, end. I agree. Um, and I feel like... But on the opposite side of the spectrum, people like Dwight. Like, Dwight... I feel really grows over the course of the show. Like he becomes way more likable by the mm-hmm. end. He becomes a person who eventually does become the regional manager of Dunder Mifflin Scranton. And, um, you know, he is not the same person that he was in the beginning, but can't we say that about life? You know, like we're always growing and changing. Um, yeah. At, at first I, I wasn't really a fan of Dwight, but mm-mm. like you said, he, he grew and he grew on me mm-hmm. for sure. I absolutely loved why I would say he's one of my favorite characters. Um, some other characters that I believe developed over time, like Pam. Pam is very mousy and uh, scared in the beginning, but she becomes very brave. She becomes very self-sufficient. Jim finds purpose in what he wants to do in life. He's very demotivated and um, just doesn't really have much of a purpose in his life. Dwight and Angela get over their egos and pride, end up together, slash Dwight evolves and becomes the manager after 10 plus years in the company. Another bad thing about the show for me is Andy Bernard's character, who I love Andy. He is one of my favorite characters. They completely ruin his character by the end. And I think they do that on purpose because he missed a lot of the show because he was doing the Hangover Mm -hmm. sequels. And I think that that's also a common complaint with The Office is Andy becomes so unlikable and so unwatchable by the end, which is not, I guess, a fault of the writers because he, the actor at Helms, kind of wanted to do his own thing. Um, So do you think that was the writers putting him into that position or he decided, I'm going to tank this character? I think it was a little bit of both because, again, he he did the first Hangover in, what, 2009 when the show was still in, you know, its prime, I'd say. Um, well, actually, I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong about this, but when he goes off to anger management, I think is maybe when he did the first one. And then after that, um, I don't really know how they did that, but uh, his character is awful. He's just so unlikable, and I think 
him doing me honestly i don't know I, I think there's just speculation and rumors about why his character became that way but i think it has a lot to do with him doing the hangover sequels at that time another fun little tidbit so a few episodes before goodbye michael or maybe it's the episode before there's the scene where they're in the break room or the conference room and they're all thanking michael after his final dundies and they all start seeing a rendition of seasons of love um, called nine million nine hundred eighty-six thousand minutes. It is rumored that this scene was not scripted because it looks like Steve Carell, the, the person, was taken off guard by it, and he looks very emotional. So there's rumors that he did not know about this, which I could believe. Mm-hmm. I cannot confirm this, but that is one of my favorite scenes just because of how genuine it feels. Um, and it, it also kind of felt like all those actors were truly saying goodbye mm-hmm. to Steve, yeah. not just Michael. Yeah. The finale where Michael comes back was actually a surprise. That is fact. They did not tell anybody about this. And I'm pretty sure even to some of the cast, it was a surprise. So I love that. I remember watching the finale being like, oh, my God, Michael's back. Um, so kind of just to wrap up my opinions on The Office, what I personally love, I love the characters. The awkward dynamic makes the show what it is. I feel like it was wrapped up very well in the end. It has a nostalgic feel that many sitcoms aim to get but fail to nail the landing. And the finale is, in my opinion, one of the best I've ever seen. I rank it up there with the finale of Breaking Bad. I feel like Breaking Bad has one of the best finales. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. What I do not love is how cartoonish some of the characters become towards the end, especially Andy. Um, And I don't love the hyper-focus on Jim and Pam. I know that... Like, their love story is kind of, like, the heart of the show. Um, But they're not the only couple on the show. In my opinion, the best couple story overall is Dwight and Angela. Mm -hmm. It takes them a long time to get together, but I I love where they end up in the end. And so that is my take on The Office. Ashley, do you have any final opinions or anything you want to bring up before we get into Parks and Rec? Not really. I think you you hit them all. Um, Okay. I love all of the characters, really, and some of them took me a little longer to get to like. Um, but the humor is definitely my type of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. It's, it's just a great show. So that's The Office. Um, let's get into Parks and Recreation. Before you guys get into it, I just have a few short little facts. I don't know if you had these prepared. Parks and Rec aired from 2009 to 2015, so it started in the middle of The Office, was also created by Craig Daniels and Michael Schur. First season, like The Office, received very mixed reviews, and it was originally pitched as a spinoff to The Office, but it became its own thing over time. And um, the first season was actually written off by critics as a ripoff of The Office. Mm. But it, in my opinion, did get better over time. So you guys... Have the floor. That's the only facts you have? Oh, I have more. I just didn't want to dominate this part. <laughs> I do have actually something interesting to bring up. Immediately after Ben Silverman was named co-chairman of NBC's entertainment division in 2007, he asked Craig Daniels and, or is it Greg Daniels? Not Craig Daniels. I think it's Greg. To create a spinoff of The Office, Daniels co-created Parks Recreation with Michael Schur. 
The two spent months considering ideas for the new series and debating whether to make it a standalone rather than a spinoff. They obviously went with the former. According to Daniels, they eventually abandoned the original spinoff plan because they couldn't find the right fit. They considered a series about a local government official trying to rebuild a political career following a humiliating public spectacle. They eventually abandoned that idea, though it did end up being incorporated into the backstory of Ben Wyatt. After Amy Poehler agreed to play the lead, they decided the series would revolve around an optimistic bureaucrat in a small town government. Parks and Recreation was nominated for 10 Emmys, unfortunately never won any. And Amy Poehler also was nominated, I think, four times for um, Best Actress for playing Leslie Nope. Never won, but she did win a Golden Globe in 2014. Well, first of all, we were not told that we were supposed to prepare anything since oh. this isn't our podcast. Oh, I sent an email out to bring, bring your arguments but uh, but whatever whatever you want to say. Well, uh, I know Brad and I we've both seen The Office and Parks and Rec. Uh, I just find Parks and Rec a much more enjoyable show, top to bottom. The Office seems to be liked by a lot of people who have not worked in an office a lot. And I, as the seasons drag on, self-professed from you guys, that they get very rough to listen to. I just. It just gets annoying after a while because everybody is, uh, what did you say? They become caricatures of themselves that you don't really like. And that's kind of how I feel about The Office in general. It just keeps dragging into that. Michael Scott is a fun character to listen to occasionally, but he would be a terrible person to work with. And I think most of the people on The Office wouldn't actually maintain a job very long if they acted like that. Oh, I do not disagree with you there. There are a lot of times where many of those characters should have been fired. Mm -hmm. There's no way a person like Michael Scott would maintain that job. I see. I just find that very hard to enjoy for long periods of time. Like even when I watched The Office, I didn't watch it regularly when it was on the air. I watched the whole thing on Netflix and I got about halfway through it right about where you, where you said uh, the show has a season slump. I had a hard time pushing through. I think I stopped watching it for maybe a full year and then came back. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll power through and I'll finish it. Um, and there's parts of The Office I really like. There's moments I like and things that I enjoy about it. But overall, I just think Parks and Rec is a much more happy, optimistic show top to bottom, which I enjoy. Half of The Office's humor is based on cringe factor with Michael and Dwight. And I just don't like long extended periods of that. Plus, I've worked in an office with people like that. So okay. I have that cynicism behind me when I see those characters. So what do you, what do you like about Parks and Rec? What makes it your show? Parks and Rec in seven or six if you do what is i believe allowed with tv shows and you pitch out the worst season um but in seven seasons parks and rec takes a large cast of characters you know all the main characters for the most part follow through they all grow in their personal lives they grow professionally they form relationships with each other and with new people, you know, new cast members that are dynamic, that grow, they don't fizzle out. And all in all, the speed of the show and the content is wrapped up with a bow in seven seasons and arguably arguably offers the better story. Can I ask what exactly is the story? Oh yeah, yeah, we, we please explain to those who are unfamiliar with the show the the main premise so, and some all, of the main characters. All that I've seen is uh 
a giant hole in the first the pit is that what it is the pit see yeah. i can't get over it that i haven't <laughs> even finished season one so parks and rec the story behind parks and rec is that it is also a group of people in an office uh the story is centered around amy Poehler's character uh leslie nope who is a uh, deputy director for a parks and recreation department in uh, Indiana, in a small town. And it's her and the other co-workers in the parks and rec department. Um, a lot of the show is focused on filling in this pit in the <laughs> middle of town that was originally meant to be luxury condos that the builder went bankrupt and was never able to finish past so the entire the pitted show is about the pit i wouldn't say the entire no, show not <laughs> i wouldn't say it's the entire show but the first few seasons are very much revolved around the pit mm. and by the end of the show leslie works just tirelessly to get this pit filled to get the rights to zoning this area it gets turned into a beautiful park it's only a pit for a little while the focus becomes then it's a the lot. Park. Yeah, then it's a lot. Lot 48. Lot 48. And then it slowly moves into a park, and they do create a they create a giant, gorgeous park for the community. So there's something lasting as opposed to... So that's what the show is. Just paper. A pit to a park. But there's a lot of, you know, uh, situations between the characters. Um, it's not just about the pit. It. I would say that a big part of... The plot revolves around the pit, but there's a lot of subplots. So, like, for example, I, I couldn't tell you what season, maybe season four, season five, there's, um, like, fighting between uh, Leslie and uh, Jam about who gets the, the lot. Like, a lot of people want to turn the lot into just, like, a fast food restaurant. The and there's, library. <laughs> the library wants access to the lot. Um, and... There's an ongoing joke with Parks and Rec that everyone who lives in this town is dumb and fat, and so it's only fitting that, you know, they would want to turn it into, what is it, Ponch Burger? Mm -hmm. Just basically like a McDonald's, but just, like just way, fat, way dumb. worse for you. <laughs> that is a recurring joke that Pawnee is uh, the fourth fattest city in America. They're but, coming for you, Austin. But, <laughs> but most of the characters are actually not fat, which is funny. And Chris Traeger is one of the most fit characters in the he's history of He's not originally from Pawnee, though. Yeah, he's not, but he lives there. Uh, but it's fat. It's not dumb. They never say that Pawnee people are dumb. Although, if you see any of the city council sessions or the citizens oh. that come out, oh, yeah. it looks that way. However, I will say I was a journalist for about a decade. That's how all of those are. doesn't matter what city oh, you're in. Right. I, and I would say, too, that it's, it's very... Uh, it's very accurate in depicting how, like, just the process of government, I guess, and how Leslie works so hard to do the right thing and to better her town that she's so proud to be from, but the town is constantly shitting all over her and never letting things get done. And I would say that that is definitely a, a pro, a very positive aspect of the show, especially in, you know, such trying political times that we're in now the show is very optimistic about, you know, how the little guy can succeed and how the good guy can do good as much as he's worked against, if that makes sense. I would say for me personally, the good with Parks and Rec, the characters, like Braden said, they do develop much more over time. They become more likable, relatable. Andy is 
horrible in the beginning. Andy is one of the least likable characters in season one. He was originally Andy, uh, Chris Pratt, if you don't know, um, was originally only supposed to be in the first season. And then he was supposed to be written off, but they liked him so much. They kept him on the show. And he, I would say, has one of the best character arcs. He becomes so likable, such a great, honest, pure person. Um, Chris Traeger, his character, um, Rob Lowe, who does a fantastic job in this show. He is so funny. Um, I would say I really like about his character is how they depict mental health, how he clearly has um, like self-worth, self, how he sees himself, his both his physical health and his emotional mental health. Um, he goes through therapy and he works through his personal issues. I really like how they depict that and how they kind of normalize therapy and as i've said in this show before therapy works um so i really like how they depict that um the overall tone of the show is much more optimistic and fun it's silly it's goofy one of the arguments for season one of uh of parks and rec is that it is very cynical and it's not very optimistic so they kind of changed the show as it went on to um to better reflect a more positive and optimistic atmosphere and i'd say that another argument is the tone they couldn't really figure it out at first so and i think that's why people hate the first season it's not good and leslie is not very likable she's kind of she was compared to michael scott a lot she was kind of not very intelligent she didn't really know what she was doing and i guess she was originally supposed to be kind of a drunk and kind of a loose woman who is stomping out there (laughs) um they're clapping Oh, for who? What's happening? I have no... Well, um, somebody just got flowers delivered to him. Oh, that's very mm-hmm. sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what I it don't... very sweet. Here's what I don't like about Parks and Rec. Like I said, it has a very rough start. Unlikable characters, not much development. In my opinion, I do not like the ending of Parks and Rec. I did not personally like the time jump. If you're unfamiliar, season seven jumps ahead a couple of years. I don't like that. I feel like the ending was rushed. And I really like your guys' opinion on this. I do not like April Ludgate. I don't think she's likable at all. And I think she stays the same most of the show. I don't like her. I love Aubrey Plaza. I think she is great, personally. I just don't like her negativity and her saltiness about everything. That's a personal opinion. Um And it doesn't really stick with the mockumentary style of filming as much as The Office does. They both have that same format of 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 being a a documentary, feeling like you're, you know, looking in on these people's lives. The Office is very consistent with that, and it commits to it from the first episode on. You and it also wraps up that storyline too at the end, like the documentary actually airs. It's a real thing. With Parks and Rec, it just has that format. They never explain what is why they're being filmed, why it's a documentary. They never, ever, ever talk about it. It just has the same directing style. So for me, that's kind of frustrating that they took this format but didn't really commit to why they did it, I guess. So that's my opinion on that. What do you guys have? That's on? interesting. That doesn't bother me at all. I actually <laughs> greatly dislike in The Office that that becomes a core focus of 
we're doing this mockumentary and it's outside the bubble and i'd be fine with it if they had the documentary at the end that's fine but they actually brought in the weird character at the end uh the guy who's the camera guy the boom guy and all of a sudden him and pam have this thing and they're flirting back and forth and you're supposed to think he was behind this camera for 10 seasons i did not like that at all i thought that was ridiculous it pulls you out if you're gonna have that fourth wall break uh, it seems like a Hail Mary play toward the end of the show to suddenly have that in. It didn't bother me at all in Parks and Rec that they film in that, that style. Um, just thought it was a style of choice for the filmmaking. It'd be no different than if you want to do a single camera sitcom or double camera. That's just the style they chose to go with. But let's also acknowledge the fact that nobody anywhere would fund the money to film a paper company for a decade that is true i think about that a lot like how how much information do you need about these people i no one would ever fund that so like again it's a gimmick for both shows for as far as a filming style but Mm -hmm. and who even want to watch a documentary about a paper company if they were that interesting aside from the people who are in it themselves they show at the end of the show everybody's excited to watch the show and that's kind of how they wrap it up a little bit yeah you'd be excited too but if you saw on Netflix, there's a documentary about a paper company. Next, and you just flip right through it. Well, I think they they bring that up in the ninth season. How you know there's I think it's the first episode of the ninth season where Jim and Pam are you know doing their talking heads, and then they stop recording, and Pam asks like, "Do you don't you guys have enough at this point? Like, I can't think that you'd need more after nine years of being filmed." Um, but I think it started off as just like a typical office and then they, the, the team, I guess, of, of filmmakers fell for the characters that they got to, or characters, the people that they got to know, and it became more about them and their dynamic, whereas, it, you know, instead of just a, a paper company. I mean, they eventually start following them outside of the office. Yeah, but I think that's a bit more of the tail wagging the dog since the original series was a UK show, which typically has way, way, way shorter seasons. The office became a hit, so they're just going to keep making them and making that money. I mean, so they they justified it within the show. Yeah. In a method. Yeah. I think it's interesting that for Parks and Rec, you said that uh, you thought it had a rough start, which we all agree that both shows have a rough first season. Both Mm -hmm. of them do. Uh, it's, I think it's funny that you say that you couldn't get through the first season of Parks and Rec. I feel the same way about The Office. It's a very hard first season to get through. I'm going to try. Actually, because try Michael tonight. Scott is just, he's, he's such a hard character to have. He, he has no him. redeeming qualities in the first season. I loved him from, from the very first episode. I mean, oh, re- that's awful. Rewatching it now, like I usually, when I rewatch The Office, I usually skip the first season and go into the, and honestly, sometimes I even skip the second. For me, the show was at its prime season three through season six. Like once Pam and Jim had their baby, it kind of started to go downhill. Yeah. Um, so those middle seasons to me are just gold. And even season two has some great moments. Like the Casino Night episode is fantastic where Jim and Pam what Jim tells, you know, Pam that he loves her is is a wonderful episode um, where Dwight wins like salesman of the year and he has to deliver that speech. This is actually really funny. And if any of my former forensics kids are listening to this, um, shout out to you guys. Um, when I was a freshman in high school, this is when the office was just taking off. And um, my coach was in love with the show, as were a lot of people on the team. 
And so our first t-shirt said, together we prevail with a picture of Dwight Schrute on it. And I had no idea because I didn't watch the show at the time. I'm like, I don't know. But now I don't have that shirt anymore. I don't know what happened to it. And I'm like mm. really sad because I would totally wear it again. But um, the office I remember in high school was such a big part of our forensics speech team. So and that might also be another part of it too, why I love it so much is even though I didn't watch it at the time, it still just has those nostalgic moments, those memories for me, which is why I still watch it. Like, like for me personally, I don't really care for the show Friends. Mm-mm. It's it's not my thing. I don't really like Friends, but I feel like a lot of people still love Friends, even though it is dated. There are some things about it that don't quite hit the mark now. And you could say the same for The Office. Mm-hmm. High-waisted jeans are coming back. <laughs> I don't think you would be able to film a show like The Office now. No, with absolutely With the things that not. they said. No, absolutely not. And I think it's Steve Carell. Yeah. I think Steve Carell's even said that, too. That yeah. he he's like, oh, no, no, no. The Office could never could never work in in modern times with you know <laughs> with uh call out culture i guess i'll mm-hmm. say um and there's even been talks of like a reboot no please just leave things as they mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. i i would be very disappointed if the office came back as much as i love that show i would be very disappointed so i was curious you mentioned for Parks and rec you said that you thought it has unlikable characters what characters do you not like and why in the beginning I would say in the beginning, the characters are kind of cynical and unlikable. They do become way more likable as the show goes on. Like like Tom Haverford, I do not like him the first few seasons. And even, and I've said this before with Brayden, that Aziz Ansari has said before that he will watch old episodes of Parks and Rec and he is like, like he cringes at himself because he's like, there are things that Tom says and does. And I'm like, that's gross like that's creepy like the things that he says to to Anne all the time and how he's always hitting on Anne like continuously throughout the show but he does become better as the show goes on he matures as he you know starts his own company and he starts making a name for himself he still has that little bit of self-absorbed nature like he that never goes away but it's kind of the same with Michael Scott you know like he's always kind of insensitive about things he's very self-absorbed that's always kind of just a part of him but he grows out of it a little bit and i'd say the same for tom haverford that he becomes more compassionate towards other people and he's very like being a government employee with you know working for leslie he doesn't really seem like he gives a shit about anything in the beginning but he starts to care more towards the end so that's why i said you know the characters do develop over the time in the beginning they're kind of one-dimensional in my opinion Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the characters on The Office, to, to me, they feel like the same characters that they were at the beginning. It doesn't feel like they've had a lot of growth or change. Uh, and I always come back to, uh, we were talking about this before we started recording today, but Michael Scott reminds me a little bit of Steve Jobs, which Michael Scott would absolutely love to hear someone say that. But what I mean by that is, I think they did some fun things. They had some great accomplishments, and they're interesting to watch from the outside but they would be a class A jerk to work for. I would never work for somebody like Michael And that Scott. comes back to like, to me, that's a big thing. Parks and Rec, uh, I would happily work for Leslie Nope or Ron Swanson. I think they would be a great mentor and person to work for. And as the show progresses, they, the first season, like you said, uh, they're trying to find their footing, but Leslie is that 
never ending optimistic person. She always tries to find the best thing. She's always doing stuff for her friends selflessly. Like she would be a great person to have as a friend. Absolutely. I, I don't disagree with that. Brayden, you've been kind of quiet. Yes. What do you have anything to add? Uh well. No, not really. No? No, we're good. Oh, I was hoping you had more. I'm disappointed. I think that we have we have discussed my opinion on this quite a bit. Um Steve Carell as Michael Scott is the same exact person at the end of that show. Uh whereas so, okay, so earlier in the segment, you pointed out that Steve Carell thinks of all of the people he works with, with fam- as family, and so that, like, is a major drive for him. The difference between Leslie Nope, who feels the same way about everybody that works in her office, is Leslie Nope always goes out of her way to better other people and to make their lives better in any way that she can, whereas Michael Scott is constantly and never-endingly falling back on being a selfish, childish person. I will agree with their differences. Leslie does everything she can for her friends. She hardly ever thinks of herself, whereas Michael is always thinking of himself. But I think that just re- like I'm rewatching the show right now, The Office. And I think there's just something about his buffoonery and his his immaturity that's somewhat I I don't know how else to say it, somewhat endearing because he's so innocent at times. And there's the there's the episode, it's stress relief part two, where everyone's stressed out, Stanley has his heart attack, and Michael's trying to to make the office a more a more comfortable, more zen place. And he brings up the idea, let's have a roast. Everybody roast me, which is a horrible idea because Michael is so sensitive and everyone comes up and just attacks him. And there's a very funny scene where uh, Dwight comes up on stage and he's like, how dare you? How dare you all say this about Michael? And Michael's just like, no, shut up, Dwight. You're being stupid. You're an idiot. And Dwight goes, don't you dare call me an idiot. You're... <laughs> You're just a sad, pathetic little man. You don't have any family or any friends or any land. And he just like walks off the stage and then everyone starts clapping. But after all of that, Michael is, you know, he got his feelings hurt and he starts like crying almost. Like he was hoping that everyone would say, but I still love Michael. He's still great. Like, yeah, he has his flaws, but we still love him. But nobody says any of that. They just completely shit all over him. And then everyone feels bad about it. And then he comes back into the office and he roasts all of them. And it's very funny. Boom roasted. He, and he's like, Stanley, you crush your wife during sex and your heart sucks. Boom roasted. And then Stanley starts laughing. And then everyone starts laughing. And he's like, all right, guys, you know I kid. For me, again, it's that it's that back and forth. Like, yeah, he can be a pain. He can be kind of a shitty guy at times. But ultimately, I feel like his heart is in the right place at the end of it and like towards the end of the show when when he and holly get back together and todd packer comes back to the office again he idolizes todd packer in the beginning this this awful awful guy 
Todd says some things in front of Holly that makes her say like, hey, Todd's kind of a shitty guy. And Michael's like, what? You just don't know him. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. But then Todd comes into Michael's office and he says, your girlfriend's really uptight. You should come with me down to Florida and, uh, you know, we can go hit on some women down there. And, you know, kind of something that Michael in the past would be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. But he's like, you know what? No, like, no, I'm I'm not going to do that. And then he even says to Holly, like, yeah, he's he's an ass. You know, he's he's not my friend. He's an ass. And so I do think he grows, maybe not as much as some, you know, the characters on Parks and Rec, but I do think Michael does grow. And I think he becomes more endearing the more you watch the show and when you know kind of his his full story arc when you rewatch it. So the most endearing character on The Office is best moment and largest growth is that he stops idolizing I, the biggest sexual harassing character in the entire show. Okay, I didn't say he was the most endearing. I said that he becomes endearing, and that's just one example of but how so, he changes. So many people argue that The Office is, like, The Office is Michael Scott. Michael Scott is what makes The Office. He's a terrible character. Okay. It's That's... good that he has that growth to recognize finally, but how far in is that? Season six or seven? Right. That's a that's a slow burn to have growth of that low bar that you right. shouldn't treat your employees that way. I, I agree that Michael Michael thinks that his coworkers are his family, but I think it comes from a place, like you said earlier, of insensitivity and ultimately he wants to be liked. I think that's his driving motivator for just about everything. He always jokes that he thinks of himself as an entertainer and half of the cringe moments for Michael, especially in the earlier seasons are him. He thinks he's Johnny Carson. He thinks he's a great comedian up there riffing up off of other people's stuff and prison Mike. Man, I just, I could not imagine working for that guy. The worst part about prison was the dementors. But most of them should be. Well, even season two, like the Dundies, which is another great episode uh, you know, this is something that his none of his coworkers really want to do, but it's so important to him that he's just this MC and he's giving out awards to everyone at the office and he does it at a Chili's and and there's he has all these like parodies of songs and there's one for Tiny Dancer and he start he's singing it and uh, um, there's some guy at the bar that's like making fun of him and like booing him and I think he even like throws stuff at him and and Michael's obviously you know upset by this and and kind of taken aback and he's like okay guys well I guess we'll we'll end early I had a few more awards to give out and um, but everyone always still kind of rallies behind him so I think that if the show didn't have those moments Michael would be a lot more unlikable and like I said before he kind of saves Dunder Mifflin over and over and over again. The company is going under. They are going bankrupt. His his uh, office is the only one that is doing things right and is keeping everyone their jobs. His office continues to succeed despite Michael Scott, not because of Michael Scott. Sure. But, I mean, he does... I mean... With how much he distracts them, yeah. <laughs> they still manage to get stuff done. But also, it's, uh, so, so our but saving, he, d- he does land so, big I mean, deals, though, on the, his own. Think of how much more productive, and Dunder Mifflin might not have gone under or had to sell the saber if it wasn't for Michael Scott distracting the best, you know, the best office in the company. And it's funny because in the beginning they aren't the best. 
Yeah, but to me, closing deals is not a good character. That's not a good person. I've worked in companies before where you have uh, the A-type salesperson who closes deals at any cost, and they just alienate everybody. They treat their customers like crap, and ultimately, teams are stronger when you get rid of that person. It doesn't matter if they're closing the biggest deals. You'll find they've even done studies that show if you get rid of that person, you know, everybody else's productivity goes up, you know, 15, 20%. So you end up being way more ahead getting rid of that outlier who's just constantly derailing stuff. Well, you see it on The Office. That's why they put Todd Packer on the road. He was a great sales guy, but he was terrible for The Office. Yeah, and Michael Scott with his uh, two-hour meetings all the time for (laughs) everything. I think though, uh, like, sorry, Mike, I'm I'm working on stuff. I I gotta go back to my desk. Sorry. I think though, I mean, these people could have quit at any time. You don't have to work for Dunder Mifflin. Well, I don't know. We don't know the financial situation of Scranton. That's Stan- true. There might not be a lot of other options. Stanley was looking for just punching the clock till retirement. Jim was constantly disappointed where he was and actively tried to leave. Uh, Dwight idolized Michael Scott. I mean, a lot of these characters tried to leave or did leave. Or some of them were complacent. Right. Like Stanley, he's not going anywhere. He's just staying there punching the clock until retirement. You know, Toby has nothing going else, nothing on his life. Toby's just a miserable yeah. person so in the people who are the most miserable anywhere. The, the people who are the most motivated are the ones who do leave. No, except Dwight. Dwight well, ends but, up running the branch. But Dwight's not motivated to leave. He's motivated to be Michael. Yeah. So when he yeah. when he can uh, pass that crown, that's the achievement that he wants more than anything. And he ends up running the branch after Michael Scott uh, and what the three other managers. Like he was the last guy that gave a shit that even wanted the job. If you were an employee there and you you suddenly cycled through two, three, four different managers, man. I judged them for not leaving. They should have been polishing their resumes and looking for a new job. The writing's on the wall that this company's hurting. Can I can I defend that for a second? So Dwight still had more growing to do before he was ready to become the manager of that office. Because if you remember, he was acting manager and he was terrible. And he shot a gun in the office accidentally. And <laughs> so they decided to not let him and didn't go to jail. No, and I mean, Stanley getting a heart attack, he should have gone to jail. We have to remember, you guys, that this is not real life. This is a television show. And if you want to argue about the optimism and, and the, the greatness of, of Parks and Rec, things aren't that great. <laughs> no, but it's, it's finding the optimism when things aren't great. I guess. And the characters, when they weren't happy, they left. Tom wanted to do more, so he ended up leaving government and starting his company. And then he came back when he failed. Absolutely. (laughs) But he tried. But he tried. He tried to make Ron feel like he was begging him to come back. And then Ron was like, I'm not doing that. Just just come in here and quit jerking these people around. I will say for kind of my closing opinion, Mm. like I brought up in the beginning, I do love both shows. And I've seen both of them all the way through multiple times. You just admitted to being fine skipping two-thirds of your favorite show, though. Two-thirds? You said you were fine skipping one through three and then the last No, 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 no. No. I don't don't skip the last few seasons of The Office. I still like it. It's not as strong. I skip season one and sometimes season two just because they're not my favorite. 
I like to start from my favorite season, which is season three. Neither here nor there. So when you watch it, do you, at, at this point, not when you're first watching it, but at this point, do you actually sit and watch it or do you like to have it on the background? Because I've known people, they just like to have The Office on in the background. Sometimes both. Sometimes I actively watch it and sometimes it's just, I fall asleep to it. But I'm the same with Parks and Rec. And when I rewatch it, I'm, I'm the same way. I just rewatch The Office more. Um, so in my opinion, The Office is a better overall show. It holds a place near and dear to my heart I think the jokes are funnier. The characters are more relatable, at least in the beginning. And it was a pivotal show to kick off this type of comedy. Parks and Rec would literally not exist without The Office. That being said, Parks and Rec is still a great show. It is very funny. It has very lovable characters. It's more feel-good than The Office. It's more optimistic. It had the right idea to call it quits after seven seasons. Unfortunately, The Office did not do that and suffered a little bit. Overall, I would say The Office has more bad episodes than Parks and Rec does. And unfortunately, Parks and Rec couldn't live up to The Office. Many people compare the two, as we are doing now, and many people... We'll go back and forth and say The Office is better or Parks and Rec is better. And I feel that the show suffered greatly critically because it was constantly compared to The Office. It was very much a follow-up to The Office when The Office started to make its way out. And um, I think it does still stand alone as a great show. I also think it suffered because streaming platforms were really starting to take off. Um, when Parks and Rec started, whereas The Office ran at a time when sitcoms and aired television were still king. So I think that that has a lot to do with it as well. I, it's actually funny. I'll bring, I'll bring this up real quick. Um, there's an episode where Kelly is talking about Netflix when it was still the time when you would rent the DVDs and they would send them to you in your home. It was before you could actually play it on your television i just think that's funny to show how long Which that show ran it's a good analog for working at a paper company too what are your guys's closing thoughts thoughts for your thoughts i i have seen both shows all the way through i've seen the office all the way through once and that's enough for me uh i have favorite episodes that i'll catch once in a while when they're on but it seems like when people talk about parts that they love about the office it's usually a cold open like it's Dwight pranking Jim. It's, you know, Jim and Dwight just going back and forth. It's the cold opens. It's not the larger character arcs. Uh, and ultimately for me, I just, I'm not a fan of cringe humor. And that is 90% of Michael Scott to me. If the whole point of the show is that the other characters need to constantly make Michael feel better, it, it's still grounded in the fact that he did something terrible to start with. And that's where most of the plot points revolve around. Either Michael screwed up or he's done something terrible to the team. Uh, and I just I just personally do not enjoy that type of humor in the long run. So it's fun for bits and pieces. I do enjoy the pranking back and forth and some of the office camaraderie. Maybe I've worked in an office too long because I find myself constantly thinking back uh, from the standpoint of a manager, like I would have to fire that guy. They would be reprimanded. Like there's no way I'd keep them around, you know, <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. just continues like that. Uh, Parks and Rec is a much more optimistic show. I do love that Leslie Nope always goes out of her way to try to help and better her teammates. And she's, despite everything she's always trying Except to do. Except Jerry. Nobody likes Jerry. <laughs> she's always trying to do what's best for the town. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Stanley's heart attack. Because, uh, as we all know, Jerry had a fart attack. Fart attack. <laughs> fart attack. <laughs> he sure did. But yeah, ultimately, if if uh, I could spend time with any of the characters, 
like in real life, I would enjoy spending time with probably just about any of the main characters from Parks and Rec. Whereas I think most of the characters from The Office, they they hinge on that, you know, group comedy where the characters relate off of each other and by themselves, like you wouldn't want to spend time with most of those people. Okay, that's fair. Brayden, closing thoughts. <sighs> well, comedy is better than cringe. Growth is good. And uh, if we wanted cringe, I think that we get that with uh, Parks and Rec with the perfect amount with one character, John Ralphio. I yeah, mean, okay. it's just the perfect show. I will watch it over and over and over again. And I've watched The Office probably three times, start to finish. Good with the bad. And uh, I think that John said it right. It's a lot of great one-liners, but you don't need nine seasons of one-liners. Braden out. Okay. Can we we take a quick minute to acknowledge the uh, Andy exits? Because when you were talking about Ed Helms, it made me think about this. uh, uh, So you were pointing out that he when he had the anger management was probably when he left to film the hangover. Uh, and you said his character came back and he started to go downhill a little bit. Andy Dwyer left the show to go bulk up and film gardens of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And he was star lowered and saved the universe versus uh, you know, a drunk hungover guy. So I, I do think it's very funny with parks and rec, how they explained that, how, Oh, I just stopped drinking beer. Yes. That's a good throwaway line. Yeah. And Ben's just like, how much beer were you drinking? <laughs> Because he obviously loses a lot of weight. Probably way too much. Um, One thing I wanted to bring up before we close out. So I did post a poll on my Twitter account um, asking all of my my Twitter followers, which is not a lot, but that's okay, um, on which show they preferred. Many people did say Parks and Rec. um, And um, I will say... um, Ethan, if you're listening, shout out. He said, Parks and Rec doesn't have the same type of cringy humor, which I, I feel like is a common complaint with The Office. It is a lot more overt, and even the subtle humor is absurd, which I enjoy, while The Office relies on the individual character's absurdity and is more dry most of the time. But both are great. Now, on the opposite side, I had someone say, it was tough for her to decide. They both still get me to laugh out loud, even though I've heard the jokes a million times, but I loved The Office first, and I'm a big BJ Novak fan. So I think the the whole point what, here... What is, was the results? It was five to one of Parks and Rec. Whew. That's interesting that someone's... Who says they're a BJ Novak fan? I mean, he's I fine. I love BJ Novak. I have nothing against him, but as far as like a deciding reason why you like a show... He actually is a great writer. He has um, a book of like short stories, and um, there's a wonderful story about how he actually like went to great lengths to make a fake ID for himself, which sounds like something Ryan would do, and it's so funny. I will have to show you guys that video. Right, but that's it's still it's them looking at him now, oh, knowing who outside, B.J. Novak is, yeah, and going back office. and saying, "Oh, I like the show." But like if you were watching the show originally, they wouldn't have known who B.J. Novak was. I mean, it's just interesting that that's the lens that they're looking through the office at. Okay. I guess I, just the the main thing here is they're both great shows. They're written by the same people. It's not two separate groups of writers, you know, pining against each other. It's the same people. And a lot of cameos in both shows, you know, like Rashida Jones was in both shows. Um, I mean, even, wait, no, 
I was going to say even Paul Rudd was in both, but he wasn't. He was just in Parks and Rec. Um, it's a, they're both great shows. I love them both. I personally just have a soft spot for The Office. And um, I just love talking about it with people, especially I, I follow a lot of Facebook groups. Like there's like an Office Facebook group that just posts Office memes all the time. And a lot of them are sometimes poking at Parks and Rec how it's you know there's one that's like hey man can I copy your homework or something and it's like the picture of Parks and Rec or something. Right but you're in a group that's focused on that. Right but you know I do love both and I I don't disagree necessarily with some of the things that both of you guys have said about Michael about the office in general I it, it is not a flawless show definitely has a lot of issues but i gotta love it i can't i can't stop rewatching it it's one of those shows that i'm gonna keep rewatching until at least until it's taken off of netflix which by the way didn't bring up both of these shows are available on netflix but not for long because nbc is getting its own streaming platform in 2021 so watch it while you can yeah people will start pirating again yep it's coming back i've already got all of parks and rec so i'm good yeah i got it on dvd do people buy DVDs anymore? Yeah. Like, actually buy DVDs? DVD. I've got it on DVD. Yep. Yeah. I have it yep. there. Wink. Wink. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining me for this uh, this longer episode of Atlas Now Streaming. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, if you have any suggestions on other shows that we can review on here or movies, let me know. Always looking for something new. And um, coming soon in December, much like with Spooky Season, we are going to do fun holiday-themed films. So if there's anything that you guys want us to talk about, or me to talk about, let me know. Thank you, and uh, keep on streaming. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if you think we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming.